everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Vineyard. You guys can have a seat unless you didn't grab a Bible on your way in. And then I would love for you guys to head back, grab a Bible. We'll be in Luke chapter 4 today. I think it's always helpful to have the scriptures open uh, as we read through and study. But before we get started, a few things I want to say. Uh, first of all, really glad to have you here. If it's your first time, would love to connect with you. Uh, maybe you saw the info table on your way in. There's a little card there, and if you give us some information, we'll do our best to help you find your place here in our community. I just think church is so much more than uh, even singing or listening to a sermon. It's people in your life who become friends, who become mentors, who you do life with. And so uh, in terms of what is coming ahead at the Vineyard, first of all, you guys know Easter is only a few weeks away, and we are going to celebrate baptisms on Easter Sunday. It's a great way for you to proclaim, uh, I put my faith in Jesus, and I don't want to keep that to myself. And so we have a few people who have already said, yes, I want to be baptized if there are more of you who are feeling stirred to take this step of faith. It's not the first step. It's not the last step, but it's an important step. Uh, you could come to the baptism class next Sunday. Is that right? Yes. To learn more about baptism, to share a little bit of your story. Uh, and that's going to be during second session after our morning service. The other thing that's a little bit farther out, but want you to put a save the date on your calendar, and maybe if you get the weekly email, it's already there, but I want to make sure you see it. We're bringing Mike Turgiano back. He was here uh, in December and did a leaders meeting on a Saturday. Now we're going to invite the whole church into a Saturday morning teaching and clinic. Mike Turgiano has a long history of working uh, in the power of the Spirit of doing the stuff, as John Wimber, who was the founder of our movement, liked to say. And so would love for you to join us at 9.30 on Saturday, May 6. Um, so with that, would just orient ourselves to why we've come. We've come to hear the Word of God. We've come to experience His Spirit. And so... I just want to say or pray as we begin, come Holy Spirit, we bring you ourselves. We want to root our hope and our faith, our trust and our joy, our peace and our salvation in you, Jesus, and you alone. Amen. So many of you have been watching The Chosen, season three, along with us as we do this series. It's a way really to just really put our eyes on the person of Jesus as it's, you know, the stories are told with some added flavor and character. But today I want to start actually by watching a video. This is uh, in Luke's gospel, the first story about Jesus' ministry 
that he tells, and that's on purpose. And so what happens is Jesus goes to his hometown. Uh, He's invited to read the scripture and then elaborate on the scripture in his hometown synagogue. And so this is where the scene from The Chosen will begin. And now for the reading and interpretation, we have with us Jesus Bar Joseph. He was one of my students in Torah class, and we've heard reports, some of them very positive, of his rabbinic journey. Jesus. Thank you, Rabbi Benjamin. Peace. You know, it's not easy to share in front of Nazareth's most preeminent rabbi, but I'll do my best. And I'm certain that uh, if I miss a word or two, one of you at least will speak up, huh? Oh, don't worry. I wonder who it will be. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to the opening of the prison for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The fulfillment of this scripture, as you have heard it, is today. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is a year of jubilee, a year the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, and the blind are offered redemption. Here, now. You're with you. Keep going. Not bad for a carpenter's son, yes? <laughs> I mean, especially Joseph. May he rest in peace. Jesus, please explain why you stopped the reading before Isaiah spoke of the day of vengeance of our God, especially during a time of such oppression. The day of vengeance is in the future. I'm not here for vengeance. I'm here for salvation. You're here for salvation? What are you saying? You know what I'm saying. And this year of Jubilee, this year of the Lord's favor, is not about release from financial debts. I'm here to provide release from spiritual debt. 
We're the chosen seed of Abraham. We don't have spiritual debt. So would you all stand with me? And if you're in Luke chapter 4, we'll pick up in verse 22, right where the scene ends. We stand to honor God. These are his words. And they are precious to us. Luke 4, verse 22, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of Elisha, but only one healed was Naaman, Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. And so pray with me once again. Uh, Jesus, meet us today. We, let, uh, we want your words to come and penetrate our hearts and to be expressed in the actions of our lives. So anything that you want us to like hear and uh, unsettle us a little, we invite you to do that. And we ask that you would meet us and we thank you for your compassion, your grace, and your truth. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So I think uh, for me, the, the spiciness of what Jesus is doing came through in the video, but also the, the contrast between, as the scripture tells it, people are initially drawn to Jesus' words. They are praising the gracious words of Jesus, and by the end, they want to push him off the cliff. So what changed? It's because after reading the scripture, uh, the, the listeners, the people in the synagogue, could still square the words of Jesus with their paradigm, with they, their preconceived notions about what the promised Messiah would do for them. And so they're hearing the words of the prophet Isaiah, they're applying it to themselves, they're seeing the promises meant for them in a privileged place, the people of God, the seed of Abraham, or in other words, the direct descendants of Abraham. They are the chosen people. And that all works for them. They expect Jesus to lift up a sword to cast off the oppressor, uh, the Roman Empire at this time in this place. And instead, as the story goes on, we find that instead of a sword in his hand, there are nails in the hands of Jesus. And they find that instead of being the privileged people and their enemies get defeated and cast off, it is their enemies who also receive grace. And so not only do they not get to see the miracles that Jesus is doing for the Gentiles in Capernaum, the, the non-Jews in Capernaum, 
the stories he tells about the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, going into Gentile or pagan territory. First, Elijah uh, caring for a pagan widow, and then Elisha healing uh, Naaman, who would have been an enemy, who would have been an oppressive representative of a foreign nation that wanted to enslave and defeat Israel. So if you're, if you're a Jew living at this time, you're hearing the story of Naaman and you're realizing Jesus is saying, the promises that I have made apply to those Romans, your enemies. And so the paradigm that they had for the Messiah, which was affirmed at first, and then Jesus directly speaks against leads them to the point of wanting to push Jesus, their hometown boy, off a cliff. And so we have to make sure that we're inviting the words of Jesus not only to affirm our own thoughts and actions, but to challenge our own thoughts and actions, especially when it comes to the compassion and the grace that Jesus wants to extend to people who are not like us. Jesus is reading from uh, the prophet Isaiah when he stands up. And I always sort of thought that um, when he finishes reading, he like does a mic drop. You kids know what I mean, right? Like the, the spirit of the Lord is fulfilled in this prophecy. Mic drop. See you later. <laughs> but actually what he's doing, because he goes and sits down, right? He's like, and that's all I have to say. But this is actually part of uh, normal Jewish custom where actually during the service, the whole congregation stands, uh, and somebody reads the scripture, not always the rabbi, often a child or someone else in the congregation like we do here now, but uh, then, then what was customary is the rabbi would sit down and basically preach from sitting. So while the words of uh, this prophecy is fulfilled today uh, by implication in me, that's not his last word and he's not dropping a mic. But to look uh, from where he quotes in Isaiah 61 will help us understand just how radical the message of Jesus uh, and the pronouncement of grace and invitation and inclusion is. Um, and so if you flip a page back to the beginning of, well, to the middle of Luke chapter 4, remember I said this is the first story that Luke chooses to tell about the ministry of Jesus. And he, he purposefully starts with Isaiah 61 and the words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, which is normal language for what happens to a prophet before that prophet prophesies in the Old Testament. And one of the things I want to make sure that we're all on the same page with is prophecy is not primarily about predicting the future, but speaking a message from God to people in the present. And so one of the things we do in our service, right, is during ministry time, we actually listen for what God might want to say to us. And sometimes he gives us messages for other people, and we call that prophecy. And it's almost never predicting the future. It's about speaking something that's true about a person, maybe their status with God, maybe God's posture toward them. Maybe it has to do with gifting, or maybe it has to do with the love that the person is sensing that God has for uh, the person that they're sharing the prophetic word with. Like there's lots of different forms that a prophetic message could come. But in this case, um, Jesus is 
speaking some of the most true words ever spoken in the history of the world when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And these words uh, don't strike the Jews as radical at first, but what happens is the spirit of the Lord does not only rest upon Jesus, the Messiah, we find that as Luke tells the longer story, because Luke the writer of this gospel also writes the book of Acts, right? And so at the beginning of Acts, you find that the Spirit fills all of Jesus' disciples and then begins to fill people outside of the tribe, outside of the Jewish people. And so like Gentiles are now filled with the Spirit. And so the Spirit of God goes out into the world indiscriminately blessing those for whom receive the good news or accept Jesus as Lord. So there's a purposeful place for this big narrative arc of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And we're actually going to talk more about that after Easter because there's a period between Easter and Pentecost where we remember the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the disciples where we're going to do a series called Empowered, which actually the whole Vineyard Movement Uh, has been invited to participate in. And so we're going to do a Pentecost series where we look a lot more at the the power of the Holy Spirit alongside a second session curriculum where we'll be using content from a book called Still Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. So uh, I'll leave that there. Just know that the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit is doing in a person and through a person is a major theme throughout the story of Jesus as Luke tells it and in the story of the early church as it continues the mission of Jesus. If you look at the end of the quotation from Isaiah 61, that's actually just a flip of the page to verse 19, uh, we'll find the two bookends that create uh, a little bit of a, a lens of meaning for what goes on in the middle. And, and here it's where he says the time, or more literally the year of the Lord's favor has come. And that sounds like good news just on the surface level, right? Like, oh, a year of the Lord's favor. And in Jesus' interpretation application, it's not just a year, like it'll end in the year 34 AD, but this is a new age where we are now announcing the year of the Lord's favor. And as the video suggested, if you were to continue to read Isaiah 61 and the day of vengeance, in fact, Jesus decides purposefully to stop the sentence mid-point. Like there's a comma, not literally, but think like he stops the verse at the comma instead of at the end. He does not talk about the year of the Lord's vengeance here or the day of judgment, which he will talk about later, but he says that's in the future. Today, our concern until my return is to proclaim good news and bring the message of my love and the power of my spirit to anybody who will listen. Uh, But the year of the Lord's favor is, if you guys remember from a few years ago in Leviticus, talking about something very specific. Anybody know? The year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, again, this was aimed at a rhythm of the people of Israel where every seven days they took a Sabbath. And every seven years, they were actually supposed to do a year-long Sabbath for the land. And they could, they kind of let the land grow wild. That was the idea. But every seven sets of seven years, 
49, actually 49 plus 1, because it was after the 49th year, every 50 years they would have what was designed to be a year of jubilee, where there was a complete wipe of all debt. Of if, you've made, if you made bad choices, if you went into poverty, if you went into slavery, if you had to sell the family land because maybe you didn't plant your corn at the right time, whatever, they weren't planting corn, but I'm from Iowa, so I think about corn. <laughs> if you didn't plant your crops, if you didn't harvest your crops, if you uh, kind of, if one of your great ancestors was kind of a little lazy and, and the land was lost, everything was restored. And so all the mistakes that not only you, but any of your maybe parents or grandparents would have made, are they're reset. There's a fresh slate. And so Jesus is saying, today, I am announcing Jubilee. And this should be good news, except for the people in the synagogue hearing the good news want to stone Jesus. And so why wouldn't you hear this is good news? Well, perhaps it is that the people in the synagogue believe that God should show them special treatment because they've been pretty good Jews their whole life, right? They're in synagogue on a Saturday. Like they go to the equivalent of church. They live a good life. And the Jubilee says, even those who haven't lived a good life, God wants them in the family. Even those who have made bad decisions, who believe wrong things, God is pursuing your enemies those people who don't think like you and wanting to bring them in close to his heart. So this is bad news if you think through your good actions, through your hard work, through your faithfulness, that's what gives you a special place in God's heart. It's really good news if you're desperate. A year of the Lord's favor, a time of the Lord's favor, a posture of God being favorable to those who don't deserve it is good news if you're hanging on by a thread. It's good news if, you're, if you realize how spiritually bankrupt you are. It's bad news if you've been earning or been trying to earn spiritual brownie points. And so one of the places we find ourselves as we hear the radical grace and message of Jesus is, are we hearing it as good news? Or are we hearing it as bad news? Because what Jesus is saying is, it's time to stop blaming others and justifying yourself. It's time to take a posture of repentance, to say, I was wrong. I have screwed up. I have made mistakes. Because it doesn't matter how mature a person you are or how committed a follower of Jesus is are, you are, Jesus is not done with you yet. You have not arrived at perfect belief or perfect life. And so Jesus still is calling you every day to receive the gift of his favor, to turn away from your own self-righteousness and toward, turn toward him and his goodness. And so packaged between these phrases, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and the year of the Lord fav Lord's favor is being proclaimed, you get, you get a few little uh, helpful, practical, concrete descriptions of what God's kingdom looks like. 
and what God's people, God's kingdom people, will live their life for and toward, the posture of uh, all of our hearts. And so the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, these are some interesting like juxtapositions, and if you just kind of look through them, you're like the poor get good news, prisoners get freedom, blind receive sight, oppressed also get freedom. It's great news. There's kind of a slight nuance between what it means to be like captive or in prison or enslaved and oppressed. But Jesus is saying the whole spectrum of from imprisonment and slavery to like there are social structures, uh, maybe uh, civil ways of doing things that have kind of held you in a, in a oppressive place, like you've been held down or pushed down or held back, like the whole spectrum of that. I've, I've come to free you. And so <clears throat> the implications actually s- spread from the spiritual application. So if you think of Jubilee as a spiritual reality, you're Your sins are forgiven, but also a promised future reality that has real material consequences, uh, economic consequences, bodily material consequences. So Jesus goes preaching good news, but he also goes praying for the sick. So blind people who actually couldn't see now see. People who are in prison, Jesus tells a parable about how important it is to go meet with people who are in prison. And maybe some people who are in prison are there unjustly, but Jesus doesn't make that distinction. Like, only visit the people in prison who aren't there for the right reasons. Like, go show God's love to people who are in prisons, uh, who, for, toward people who are in poverty, who are there, and they made the choices that put them there. Like, indiscriminate love, indiscriminate hospitality in the material sense. So you, you undermine the power of Jesus' words if you only take his words spiritually, although they are aimed at our hearts and aimed at our souls, but also meant to shape and to form what we do with our time and with our lives, to bring good news, to bring friendship and resources to to people who are materially poor, who are materially oppressed, who are actually like blind maybe as as an example, but in some kind of physical uh, disadvantage or mental disadvantage. The, The people of Jesus are defined here by the ministry of Jesus, by the words of Jesus as he approaches the least the last and the lost, with great news. And so Jesus cares about our souls, but he cares about our bodies. He cares about your soul, and he cares about your body. He cares about the souls of the people in your neighborhoods, and the people in Coatesville, and the people in Philly, and the people in Pottstown, and the people in Downingtown, the whole spectrum. He wants them to experience the good news or the gospel of the love and the grace and favor of God. And so Jesus, he he died to save our souls, but he rose to save our bodies. 
And that promise is a future promise, but also a present reality. There's a, there's a tension between the work we're doing now, the love we show, the, the investments we make in people that don't always come to fruit the way we would hope. But that doesn't mean we stop loving. The descriptions of Jesus here cover the whole person, like the spiritual debt, the material or physical needs, but also the emotional ones. Like you, you see Jesus here acting like uh, a warrior who comes and brings victory over death and victory over uh, the bringers of injustice. He sets captives free, but you also see Jesus as a nurse. So he is a warrior and he is a nurse because he's, he's caring for those who are broken, the poor, the blind, anybody who needs him in the ways that we need him, he arrives. And so maybe you have a conception of God or of Jesus in particular, you know, he's just kind of a warm, fuzzy, nice guy. And that's true and it's part of the picture. But he's also a warrior who can bring truth, who can set you free, who can break the power of darkness. And again, this is, this is material and it's spiritual. Like there is, a, there is a real spiritual enemy out there who is really trying to enslave us to our sin, to addiction, to ourselves, to a belief in ourselves, and to a belief that we can save ourselves, to spiritual darkness, to spiritual blindness. And Jesus comes to defeat that enemy. And Jesus comes to bring the prisoners home into family. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, says Jesus. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so I'd once again invite you to stand. And this is something we do all the time. Um, in our services where we actually, we wait on God. We believe that he will speak. We believe that he will stir in us. And so uh, for some of us, we might simply take a posture of like openness, a posture of silence, a posture of rest. For some of us, we'll, we'll actually get a sense that he's speaking. But uh, today I, I'm going to like kind of try and fade into the background and see what happens. So the pressure's on you, not guilt pressure, not like, I, I, like the, there's an invitation for you to take initiative to what God is doing in your heart. And know too, like I think some of you uh, have never actually experienced the, the love, the good news, the proclamation of grace in your life. And so there's an invitation for that too. Um, I, I want to invite the ministry team forward. I know that there are some people who, like, who, who have been asked to pray today. So today, if you want prayer, I would say come forward and these guys will pray for you. If you're feeling prompted to pray for someone, go and do it. 
If you're feeling like this is, I just need time with Jesus, that's okay. So I'm going to say, come Holy Spirit. And we're just going to give it a few minutes and wait and see what happens. So come Holy Spirit, Jesus, we invite you. Just as the Spirit came and rested on you while you were doing uh, signs and wonders and preaching good news and making prophetic proclamations about what God was doing and who God is, we ask that you would do that in us today. So come and fill us with your Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.